Welcome to the podcast. Join Nate and Mike, lifelong friends, as they discuss stocks and investing. The name says it all. This This is is Two Buds Buds Talk Talk Stocks. Stocks. All opinions expressed by Nate and Mike are their own. Please do not buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Welcome to the pod. We are live. How are you doing on this glorious evening, Mike? I'm feeling good. It's like our uh, holiday party, right? End of yeah. the year. I saw this uh, study actually talked about um, holiday parties. Um, how do you feel about this? The, the Basically, it showed the study of uh, something like uh, most people don't want to go to their holiday parties, but I think they feel obligated to do so. Yeah, they'll be ostracized if they don't. But there's actually a lot of people that are just like, oh, man, another holiday party I have to go to. Well, I, I said to a friend, I wish I wasn't so likable, right? Because <laughs> I wouldn't get invited to so many of these. And this year, that's I, a contrarian take right there. <laughs> well, and this year I went uh, to my holiday parties. I drank non-alcoholic beer the whole time because I wanted to get in. Shake yeah. a few hands, say what's going on, laugh at some bad jokes. You also don't want to be a way. person too that just uh just has one too many at the holiday party. No. Says something, does something, end up yeah, uh, your uh, ass on the uh, photocopier or whatever it is. And you, you never live that down. Well, also, I would say too that the holiday party this year was on point. I remember it was one year your holiday party was like in the middle of uh, January. I remember you had me uh, babysit one year. For, for the little one, because your holiday party was after, but it was because work was so busy during the month of December, you didn't. And I was just like, that's always a weird thing, too, when you're doing the holiday party in the middle of January. Well, I had a holiday party this year, and I was like, okay, no booze. I did this three years in a row. So no matter what happens or is said, everyone knows you're drinking non-alcoholic mm-hmm. beers. It is kind of weird, though, when people are like, you know, there's a like right now, man, I'm having a cocktail. It's the end of the year party with you. That's but right. at work. I've got a non-alcoholic cocktail myself. I mean, I keep it uh, PG here and on the up and up. Anyway. Not really, but. Well, I got to tell you something. So at the beginning of the year. There was two things I wanted to do. You ready? Mm-hmm. And that was run every single day of the year and beat the S&P 500. So with today being the uh, 15th of December, I did my calculations yesterday. As of today, I've ran every single day of this year and every single day of 2022, 2021, 2020. And I officially beat the S&P 500. I was going to go into some of my numbers first, and I got some mail bag for you. All right, let's, let's do it. Listener to mail. Okay. Love listener mail. Here's the thing, though, about beating the S&P 500. And tell me if this makes any sense, all right? Because I was to- talking to Opa the Oracle here, and he was trying to say how I can say this the right way. It's easy to beat it. Like if you, you know, own Nike for two, you know, that two month span where it went up 27%, and then you sell mm-hmm. it, and then you put into something else, and you sell that, put into something else. That's kind of easier to beat. To me, what's important is beating the SP 500 with your group of stocks that you have conviction of mm-hmm. and keeping those stocks throughout the whole year. Yeah. So for me, for example, that's just how I, I how I kind of look at things is that for me, I have my 25 stocks conviction starting December or January 1st to December 14th, 23 of those stocks I kept. Mm-hmm. 
there was a couple changes here and there yeah. throughout the year, but for the most part, the bulk of my stock stayed. So I got some numbers for you. Okay. Lay it on me. So I've got three kind of large, three large investment accounts, right? Mm-hmm. First account, 20. So the S as of the 14th of December, the S and P 500 is 23.54%. Mm-hmm. Cheers to that. Cheers. That's Fantastic just a good year. year. Hell. By the way, it's, it looks so obvious now after last year, the down year that it, that uh, this year would be good. And I think historically, if you look at the overall trend, for the most part, when there's a down year in the market, the next year is is up. And uh, it held true again this year too. But yeah, 20, I mean, 23% is nothing to sneeze at. We talked about it at nauseum last year. Mm-hmm. So the S&P is 23.54 as of December 14th. One of my accounts, which really is probably about 80% mutual funds, uh, 15% is handpicked by me, 27%, mm-hmm. not bad. One account's my boring 401k, which the, my funds are very limited, no individual stocks in there, underperformed 14.83%. And this is all kind of weighted. Mm-hmm. And then I have an account, 25 stocks in there, handpicked by me. I pick all 25. There's no mutual funds, no um, ETFs, nothing. 48.41%. Mm-hmm. You take all that together, 29.75% is my year my year to date as of the uh, 14th of December. So uh, uh, that's what, 6.5% and a beat's a beat. I'm going to take it. Yeah. Congratulations on that too. I mean, and we'll get to yours here in a minute. Don't worry. It's not going to be all about me. And, and then, so here's kind of my big heavy hitters uh, of my, we'll go to my, no one cares about the 401k or my 20. They want, they want to know about the 48.41% year to date account. So in that one, I had number one coming in NVIDIA 242%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By the way, I'm trimming that first part of the year for tax uh reasons yeah a little tax harvesting uh you got it yeah that's well now this time of the year i'm going to sell my uh target shopify for tax harvesting we'll talk about that next year and then uh number two was amazon 73 Mm percent um number three was um chipotle 66 percent yeah Number four was the V, uh, what was number four? Number four was Google, 48%. Ooh, I did this wrong. FedEx was number four at 60%. Google, 48. Um, and then it was Costco, 45%. Old Dominion, 38. Uh, Visa, 24. MasterCard, 20%. Waste Management, 11. And uh, then a couple of just kind of, really underperformers, but that got me at 48%. I'm pumped, ran every day, a beat is a beat. And I mm-hmm. did it with stocks of really with, and this is what impresses me the most is that stocks with good balance sheets, good balance sheets. I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. Well, any thoughts before we get into yours? Um, How much of that actually overlaps too? I mean, a handful of those stocks too. I also own and uh some of those are some of my best performers this year too and um just reiterating it looks so easy now in hindsight that um so many of these stocks were beaten down last year big time um, when i think about amazon especially um and nvidia 
and almost every growth stock. I mean, we've been doing this pod for a while now, starting coming off the end of the the pandemic, and a lot of those companies um, for me that I bought that were um, big name, high flying growth stocks that had tailwinds from from the pandemic, but um, still are nowhere close to all time highs that that I purchased them at. I mean. DocuSign's popping out right now. I think they just recently released their their quarterly earnings and it was up like 20%. But when I look at having having bought it at the the highs in like 2021 too, it's still nowhere, still nowhere close to there. But uh looking at this year, how much some of these stocks are up, but um I think it would still give a more realistic picture for myself, but I haven't done this if I compare to if you take last year's return plus this year's return. And some of those I think are probably close to to break even. But it's not to negate that it still looks really cool and seeing that I have some stocks in the portfolio that are up triple digits as well. I will say not to turn a positive into a negative, but I do feel that I've got, and there's a, we, I've got some mailbag questions and this one's ask, or this is a question they ask is, um, I do feel I have too much Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, uh I just exposure. And I do think I liked your idea that there's a potential AI. Um, not crash is a strong word, but correction mm-hmm. maybe. So I, I do think because of tax purposes with the 242% year to date return NVIDIA, I'm going to trim probably 25% for the first training day, trading day of 2023 and put it in like, Visa, MasterCard, FedEx, Waste Management, uh, United Healthcare, and so forth um, because of that. But, uh, you know, it beats a beat, and I'm mm-hmm. excited, and I'll take it. And uh, what about you? Um, I've done pretty well to year-to-date as well. Um, see, I got my numbers here. I can uh, take a look at them of how the portfolio is done. I have it basically set up with... Um, accounts that are uh retirement accounts but then also my my individual accounts too yep, and yep. um i really um these days i haven't added new money recently i'm just uh reinvesting uh dividends and um it's been pretty much all blue chip uh dividend paying stocks so in my retirement accounts it's a lot more growth oriented stocks and the reason being is thinking that those are uh it's money that i not going to touch or can't touch for a number of years anyway. So there's a lot more runway for some of those theses to play out. Whereas the, uh, the individual stuff has been in a lot more um, of the blue chip and tying into your whole magnificent seven thing. I feel like a lot of those uh, blue chip uh, companies that pay dividends have done well this year, but compared to some of those growth stocks, they still haven't had the same, the same run up. So um, I was looking at returns of, let's see, year to date, total Total portfolio, thirty three point two nine percent. Ooh, you beat. You got to beat. You beat me. Yes. Now I. So here, hear me out on this, and tell me if if there's some some merit to this. So I do the formula because I have added money to to the accounts, although I haven't added in the last couple of months. So there's a formula that you can use in in Google Sheets or in Excel. It's the individual rate of return formula. It's uh, the formula is just equal. X-I-R-R, and you can put in dates and you can put in cash flows. So you can put in the, so the date that I would have added money to the account and then the dollar amount. 
So you can use that formula and basically it's more like a, uh, a money weighted formula. So it doesn't, it doesn't just truly take the, um, the starting value and any contra uh, uh, contributions, it does it on the actual date. So I feel it's a very accurate way to get total, yes. total returns. So I do that. But the other thing I also do is that um, it's more work, but I want to hold myself accountable. So I do the same thing for the S&P. So if I put $100 in on the first of the month, I would say, what would it be if I put $100 into, into the S&P? So I just use the Vanguard ETF to track that and I compare yep. it to that so I can really feel. Yeah, so I'm getting apples to apples. So based on that, then the, the, uh, the S&P was about eight percentage points less than that. So I still still had a beat, but um, a lot of that was from from uh, from from the growth stocks. Um, like you, Nvidia was was uh, was crushing it. But care to guess that your number one? Of the... um, no, actually, let me. I'll sh I'll tell you here. There's some ones too, and these are smaller positions in the uh, retirement account. But um, there's some names here that I totally. Uh, when I look at some of the stuff that I bought over the last couple of years. I cringe it just basically I was like a kid in the candy store here heard of a cool concept a cool idea I was like let me just throw a few bucks at it especially with the um with the idea of dollar cost averaging and fractional shares but uh let me see here let me get to some of my biggest ones so um I don't know do I I will give you the return on this and um you probably will never guess the the stock, but when I uh, when I tell you what it is, it'll make sense. Um, year to date, one hundred and fifty three point forty six percent. This stock is up, and the hint I will give you is one hundred and thirty four percent. One hundred and fifty three point forty six percent. That is up this year. This is All money right. I haven't added, so this is just straight stock return from the first. So, and I'll also say it is trading right now. It only $31.22. So it is up 153%. So you can do the math on where it started off. It was very low, but it is in a very hot field. In fact, it I'll give you a big clue. It ties into what we were talking about with NVIDIA. Um, I'm going like AMD, no. They're too high. Qualcomm, no. Uh, what is, I'm what is it before I'm it, fumbling all around? The company is called C3AI. The ticker symbol is just AI. So it is a pure oh. play artificial intelligence company. I probably, like I said, I bought it at some point in um 2021, right at the time when people are starting to talk about AI. So if it's up 153% this year, it must still be down over a hundred percent from last year. So I would, I would venture to guess that I haven't looked at where I actually, where I bought it at, but I would imagine it's still down a lot from that position, but just over the this course of this year. This is an interesting company. Uh, don't really, the balance sheet's pretty weak. Uh, what's about this company? I've never heard of this company. Give it to me straight. Um, so this is a rule to all the uh, listeners out there and uh, young kids. Be able to summarize what the uh, what the company does yes. in, in two minutes. And other than that, I had read something that said that this was a pure play AI company. And the guy that created it was the guy that created Siebel Systems back in the day. And I recognize uh, Siebel Systems as a software company. And the way that I, the, the idea that I got from whatever it was I was reading just said, 
this is a guy that doesn't need the money. He's already uh, a billionaire from Siebel Systems, but he's really passionate about artificial intelligence and sees what it can do for the entire world. So he started this company and it just went public. Um, and I remember something like, doesn't have any revenues yet. It's pre-revenue no. or whatever. And so my yep. thought was like, all right, I'm on board. AI, a guy that obviously created $1 billion company, I'm sure he can do it again. I'll throw some money at it. And that's as much as I know. And the, other than that, that it's an artificial intelligence company. Um, so I mean, they're... I, can't, I can't really tell you <laughs> what they do. And that's never a good sign for an investment. <laughs> okay. What do you got for number two? Um, this one I can uh, tell you a little more about. This one has actually really surprised me. It's um, 146% that it is up here today. And um, we've talked about this one a few times, I think. CrowdStrike. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yes. All right. C cybersecurity. This one I can speak a little more intelligently to. Uh, I actually the know the symbol. That's uh, CRWD, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Um, Lay it on me because... Um, I keep getting the hate mail about Cisco. So anyway, so t tell me about CrowdStrike. I'd definitely like to hear your take I on mean, it. We don't talk about that enough anyway, so go ahead. No, and it just goes back to years of having worked in, um, in IT myself and understanding that, I mean, networks and especially at large corporations are constantly under attack and threats, all sorts of Trojan horses, backdoor uh, attacks and everything in between. And the systems that are put in place to try to preemptively do that, but you get so many alerts about so many potential threats that it's easy to just as a, as a network administrator to just look at this and start ignoring stuff. But software like CrowdStrike really starts doing the work for you and really deciphering what is truly a threat, what isn't, and starts learning things to prevent it going forward. But one thing too, having again worked in IT is that companies can cut their budget on a lot of things. Maybe you cut the headcount of the number of bean counters you have or the amount of uh, people that are behind the scenes. But when it comes to your um, your IT budget, that's one thing that usually is not cut year over year. And they may get creative with finding ways to stretch those dollars, but it's usually increasing. And the idea that as we become a more interconnected world and um, the internet becomes more important in e-commerce, all sorts of things from having credit cards stored and personal information, the um, nature of wanting to protect that from your customer, for your customers is always going to be a need. And that's where I feel like companies like uh, CrowdStrike are always going to have a niche and will always be a viable option. And I So think can I do a quick uh, uh, buy, sell and hold for you? Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to throw out Palo Alto Networks. Yeah, yeah. They make routers. Like that. Mm -hmm. CrowdStrike. What are you doing with that? I would um, say Splunk, but uh, Cisco's buying that. Them. Yeah. So um, I actually used to own Palo Alto Networks back in the day. As I told when I transferred over one of my brokerages, all those fractional shares, just they basically were cashed out. So never had a large position in it. But all things uh, being equal, knowing what I know now and having to do over again, I probably would have helped uh, or bought more Palo Alto Networks and just mm -hmm. held the um, CrowdStrike. And then Fortinet, uh, I've heard of that company, but I don't know too much about it. So that one would be the one on my sell list. And then you're, so what's your buy-in Palo and holding? Yeah, I would buy Palo Alto Networks. Okay. All right. What else do you have? Keep going. Good stuff. Yours oh. is different than mine. Yeah, it's like I said, I was just looking at some stuff that jumped out as up over a um, 
hundred percent here. I was just looking at stuff because it's, I only have one. That's just uh, Nvidia. Um, I have nothing else. Hundred percent. This is the one I can actually probably know the most about. Um, but again, I would love to compare it to the returns last year because it is up one hundred and thirty nine percent this year. And again, this is just straight return. I hadn't added any money to this company. So this is just from uh, January 1st to today, 139%. Um, DraftKings. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, gambling is, is seen a resurgence. But if it's up 139% this year, it makes me think that it really probably got walloped last year. And, and so uh, you're, I get what your point you're trying to get at is that these were hit. 200 percent yeah. down the previous year that you're seeing that return of them are you of the three that you've talked about go ahead if i was cutting you off are you still adding to DraftKings? no um and this is gets back to the point the only companies that i am actually adding to um like you with your list of uh 25 companies i have a list that i've tried to narrow down to 20 companies and uh my rule of tens we talked about a little bit so i want it to have increased its dividend year over year for at least the last 10 years, I want to see positive cash flow for the previous 10 years. And I want to have seen it increase its uh, dividend on an annualized basis at least 10% for those last 10 years. So that's my rules of 10. And um, it's a it's about 20 companies that I've narrowed it down to. And some of the ones you mentioned there were on my list, Visa, MasterCard, United Healthcare, um, Microsoft, ADP. These are the, those are the company Nikes on there too. So it's just, again, quality blue chip companies that you would know, Starbucks, Costco. So those are the only ones that I have added to this year. And for the foreseeable future, that's all I'm going to add to. Now, if there's new companies that meet those metrics, I may start adding to those. And if one of those companies on this list somehow stumbles up, I'm just going to stop adding. I'm not going to sell out of it, but I would just stop adding it. So the well, idea let me ask that, you a question because, mm -hmm. and this is where you and I differ. And I'm not saying you're right and I'm wrong or vice versa. Is there a reason you're not going to sell DraftKings and then take those, those proceeds and then spread it out to those companies you talked about? What's the. So this, the, so those growth companies are ones that I have in my retirement account. So there's no real. At this point, there's no um, tax advantage to to selling those. Now, I should caveat: I did have positions of that in my individual accounts, and all those high growth companies that I talked about, whether it was AI um, or um, DraftKings, I have sold those. So basically, now I'm really only adding uh, to my positions in my individual growth account, uh, my individual accounts, and it's mm -hmm. only those um, those companies that. Well, uh, why I ask is like I've. Again, feel free to correct me if you, if you disagree. I've actually like when um, the Magnificent, Magnificent Seven really took off, I actually had some exposure of those in my retirement accounts and I sold it mm -hmm. and I put and I actually changed some of that and put like, so I'll actually move like sell items in my retirement account to limit my exposure sometimes. And then like, I'd put it all in a high dividend yield account. Um, so you don't do that. You just kind of let it ride and see what it does. Yeah. My thought, my thought process was that this is not money that um, I can get to, or I'm going to need to. So I've committed and tried to psychologically prepare myself that there's a possibility that these go to zero, but 
I still think I have enough quality companies to outweigh those. So as of right now, long way of just saying, I'm, I'm committed to just leaving them be. Not going to add to them, but not going to sell out. And maybe out of those companies, one of them really does turn into a quality company and does start producing real cash flows and does actually become a, 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 a hundred bagger. So I think if we're ultimately looking for a hundred X companies, um, the quality blue chips that we can do, we'll do that, but it's going to be a period of 50 plus years to get that. If you want to do it in the span of say 25 years, you're probably going to need some company that is brand mm -hmm. new with the technology that's brand new, that is just going to have multiple expansions. So I guess that's the other thought too, is that I don't know if it's going to be DraftKings. I don't know if it's going Having to be speculation AI, maybe. Yeah. So again, I would put them, and again, these are small percentages too. The majority of the stuff also, even in my retirement accounts is still in the, uh, the quality blue chip companies to pay dividends. And these, I would put in a smaller speculative type position and really fit the bill as far as, far as speculation to not producing any cash flow. Well, and that's, what's hard not to bore anyone that's listening, but you know, this could be 2% of your entire portfolio, right? We're just talking about big yeah. win winners, right? You know, I have some that have been big loser. I have some that are like down 35% of my small speculation bucket, but it's 0.05% of my mm -hmm. portfolio. So yeah, that's yeah. good. All right. Well, you, do you want to add any more in there? I mean, this, whatever um, works. I was going to say, I, more those are ones that just jumped out as over a hundred percent. Oh, here's another one. Last one over a hundred percent. Um, hundred and thirteen percent. Mongo DB, Mongo database. They just make databases. Ticker symbol MDB. Yeah, no idea what this is. No, and here's another one where too. Um, if you don't really know what it does, you oh, probably okay. shouldn't be invested in it. But other than I know that they make databases. Right. Yeah. Right like, to the point. Exactly. It's another reason why too, I feel so much more comfortable investing in the blue chip dividend companies. I mean, he asked me about United Healthcare or ADP or Nike. I can give a much better thesis of why I bought it, why I'm holding it, this why thing. I want to add. Mm -hmm. So if I, you take Mongo, um, CrowdStrike, DraftKings, add them all together of your entire portfolio, what percentage of all those is your portfolio? Uh, still, um, probably with those three of my total portfolio, probably at most 1% less than that. So again, these are not, not yep. big position. Definitely fit the speculation. Bucket. What's your and again, part of the reason why I'd be willing to hold on to, if it was a larger percentage of it up a hundred plus percent, now would probably be a good time to maybe cash out. And like you just put that money in more income companies I'm more comfortable with. But at this point, um, Right or wrong, I don't know. But if 1% of that went to zero, that's something I could stomach and live with. But if that 1%, possibly 100x, I, I would hate to miss out on I understand that, so. what you're saying. I understand because, well, that's why I'm asking these follow-up questions. Mm -hmm. So people don't think you've got 15% of your portfolio in, in Mongo. Yeah. Um, that's a really good distinction too. Again, the majority of it, like you, is in quality blue chip companies. Because that's where I could say I own Shopify, um portillo's dogs mm -hmm. but then when you but that's 0.2 percent of my entire portfolio i think there's always a place for speculation here's one What's that i your... bet you would really throw you off too thinking about yep. me and uh if anybody's listened for an extended period of time i mean out of the two of us you would definitely say that i'm the more 
growth-oriented investor too has that. But here's one that I was looking at that I did not realize how large my percentage of my total portfolio, all stocks I own, 6% of my portfolio is in McCormick's. Food That's spices. crazy. Yes. Uh, my youngest just decided to buy some of that. Um, let me so see. So maybe uh, I'm more Buffett. MC, than, what is it? MCK? Thought. What is that? Uh, M MKC. MKC. Jeez. Yes. But there, I mean, that is, I mean, Buffett doesn't 6%, own it. 6%, really? Yeah, but doesn't that seem like a Buffett type company? But there's Jeez. a quality blue chip company. I mean, paying a dividend for 30 plus years they've raised it or whatever. I mean- you just think percent you've got of McCormick's that isn't that crazy, but wow. I feel comfortable going. I mean, look, if you look in your shelf right now of all your food spices, there's a good chance the majority of it is McCormick's. I know if I look in mine, it is the same way too. And they pay a dividend like clockwork. It's never going to light the world on fire, but it's consistently growing revenues from six to 8% year over year. It generates so much cash and it gives that cash back to us, the shareholder in the form of dividends and uh share buybacks. And that makes me feel good. I can. What's I can, your uh, top five largest holdings? Uh, let's see. Boy, McCormick's is that a tough year though, man. It has. I'm, it's actually out of those. It's, it's the down 20%. Down my, so um, Amazon. Number one. Yeah. So actually on the on the uh McCormick's, it's not as high as I thought it was. It's not six percent, it's closer to three percent. But Amazon is actually this is one I might ooh, so many to think about this. Out of the total portfolio, Amazon is seven percent of my portfolio. I look, we've said it before and and I'm not saying this is the right. I, I had a absolute winner and um I've been trimming a bunch of it. I I don't like just me personally. I mean, you asked me a question. I think once you get past more than 5% of your total portfolio, you trim it back. You take that 2%, you disperse it out. You keep it at 5%. Mm -hmm. if, if you ever get, I, the closest I've ever gotten is 3% of my entire portfolio and I'm still not there. So that's just me. I mean, you're. I, I will say this, by doing that, you can leave gains on the table. Mm-hmm. For sure. If I'm trimming every 5%, um, but I think 7% of the entire portfolio, in my opinion, too much. But I mean, that thing went up 75% this year. So I, I bet mean, you last year you were probably at what, you know, 4% or something. I mean, there's, I saw, um, I added to um, Amazon. It is hard think, adding to your largest to your largest um, holding, right? I mean, I, I, I haven't added to it since it was probably the beginning of 2022 when I the last time I added to it. Now uh, that was actually right at the height because then the rest of 2022 it was down that entire year it got crushed and now it's back up 75 percent. So again, if you looked at that one over the course of the last two years, I'm pretty close to even. I did the same thing with uh, with Google and Netflix. I mean, those are I mean, talk about the Magnificent Seven. My three largest positions are half of that because uh, Google comes in at 5% and Netflix is at 5% too. So between those, I mean, seven, five, and five, that's 17% uh, of my total portfolio is in that. And uh, yeah, maybe it's time that I start looking about trimming that off too. But it's tough because like Chipotle is my largest holding. That's up what, 58% per, year to date. I've added some and- but you're just keep adding to your number one, number mm -hmm. one holding. So you've got, 
Amazon number one, Google number two, mm -hmm. Netflix number three. I'm trying to diversify a little bit, but all right, what do you got for? Um, this actually surprised me too because I hadn't done this in a while. But um, and this is a good example of how it's it's not too late because compared to where I bought this stock, where you bought it, I was way behind the curve, but it has still grown. Again, I haven't really added to Chipotle, but it's my number. It's it's the next one at uh, roughly uh was it three three percent of my total portfolio is uh chipotle yep. a huge um, year man yeah but again i i mean when the the first time i bought it it was at an all-time high at that point i bought it at uh seven hundred dollars which seemed at the time looking back now but it just because it goes to show that one companies that grow have a long runway to grow and secondly you can't at least for me to try to remind myself, don't get fixated on the actual stock price. The actual price that it trades at does not really tell you nearly as much as far as when you look at the overall market cap and compare it to like companies. And looking again, we compare it to Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever, overall size of the company is nowhere near that. That's the uh, hit an all-time high last week. Yeah, what is it? it's still in the 2200 range, 2300 Yeah, it range. broke 2304, I believe, yeah. for... Uh... All time high. What do you got at number four then, or five then? So, uh, uh, so Amazon, branding. Google. So I own Amazon. That's my, this is where everyone's rolling their eyes because we always talk about my holdings, but that Amazon's my fifth largest holding. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Google's my sixth largest holding. And I do own Netflix and it's my like 23rd largest holding. It's been yeah. a weird relationship with Netflix. Sold yeah. it all, bought it back, sold it all. Streaming is hard. They, streaming uh, is really hard. But when you look at Netflix, I was looking at them again after their last um, their last the best, earnings report. For sure. And best, um, best in breed. Yeah, I mean they really are. They're way ahead of where um, uh, Disney is, and um, they really quickly seem to have figured out the whole password sharing thing. I was really surprised at how quickly they've turned that around. Now. You could also say too that they have also really pivoted hard in the whole idea of we're not going to advertise to now advertising, but that's the other thing too. They made that decision and made it the best decision based on what was available. And I do think that the advertising model is a lot stickier than, than people were willing to initially give credit for, but they've integrated that seamlessly. So between uh, the password sharing and actually the plans that just offer advertising, how profitable that's been. And you look over the last year or so, they're consistently cash flow positive now. So I, I mean, yeah. And when I look at where Disney is, where they're just like, ooh, this streaming thing is a little harder. We're probably going to have to raise Paramount. prices. Yeah, raise prices. I just look at Reed Hastings and Ted Sarandos or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, tell me something I don't know. I mean, when we were saying this 20 years ago and everybody was laughing at us and writing us off, I mean- so that's your fifth largest, right? Yeah. All right. By the way, speaking of largest, I was thinking, do you want, want to know, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the best performance stock in the last 20 years, do you know what it is and you own it? Monster. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah. I Monster. think you got a little tech heavy there. But here, don't do what I did though. You ready? Mm -hmm. I... I don't want to turn this positive into negative. I'm talking about how I beat the market. I got all these great performing companies, but I purposely started adding to a bunch of safe non-tech bets, mm -hmm. such as Cisco, 
Johnson and well, sorry, Cisco's tech, excuse me. I'll say Johnson and Johnson underperformed the market. Procter and Gamble, things down like 8% year to date. I mean, Starbucks. Procter and Gamble's to you as is uh, McCormick's is to me. Yeah. But you still feel good owning it. 8% down mm. this year or whatever it is, good. But knowing that over the course of the next, um, I'm just going to do short term because long term, yep. I think yep. it's going to find. But if you even look at the next three to five years, even if it's sales, don't really um, generate um, a uh, an expansion in the multiple or anything where it goes up, you would still think that that 3% dividend, just collecting it quarter after quarter, year after year, is going to offset that 8% The loss only pushback I have for you mm -hmm. is because I'm scarred is Wells Fargo. Mm. I had used the same logic with Wells Fargo. It's a bank, strong dividend, 10 years I held it, nothing. Bup kiss. That's so, I, that scares me. Push back on your pushback. Looking back at Wells Fargo now, too, um, I think at one time we both would have said that Wells Fargo was like the best in breed bank as far as that we used to talk about. Who's their CEO? You don't hear about uh, John. Ten years Stump. ago, yeah. yeah, it's time. But turns out eh, that dude was doing a lot of shady stuff. Um, yep. So regardless of what you think about their closest competitor, Chase and JP Morgan, we hear about Jamie Dimon day in and day out. And any of their scandals have done that. Um, whereas Wells Fargo, their stuff was going on for a long time and it was systemic. And I do think that part of those returns that you had not got from 10 years is that they have really tarnished their reputation. So and Procter, fair. And, right. Procter and Gamble, I think, is still a quality company. They haven't done anything to to tarnish their reputa uh, reputation or their brand. So I'm far more confident for you that- And um, you're probably, that's a good example is that that the McCormick, I think you have to have those. I would only say not that you were asking me. You got a lot of tech in those top five, yeah. top four of the five. So like, that's why I own that Procter & Gamble. It's weird. It's like, maybe you want to call it a hedge. I don't know if that's the right word, but the reason why I own- Procter & Gamble's my seventh largest holding, eighth, mm -hmm. maybe I'd have to do the math, it, you know, jumps here and there. But the whole reason I own Procter & Gamble, Berkshire, um, Johnson & Johnson is really just hedging against the huge gains that I have with my tech companies, really. And um, I mean, it is very tech heavy and um, it's just interesting how it's grown into that it was never the idea to set out to make these the largest holdings but you can just mm. see when you buy companies quality companies that grow so this is this is what i mean is the uh, is the onset of that is just that these companies really have grown so um and you can relate to this too sometimes you just like looking at that portfolio and seeing those companies that are up so big after so many years and it becomes hard. Like maybe I probably should trim some of this and just put it in something yeah. else to well, to well around it. But I, I'm still struggling with that. Um, I remember one time you and I talking about um, Opa, the Oracle and his, his Starbucks position, right? He got in at one point too. And I was just like, you know, does he ever think about selling any of it? And then it was kind of like, well, he's up, so big on it now and it is it's hard to ever think there would be a point where it would all go away and sometimes i think of that too now i can think about where i am with say amazon or netflix or whatever and even last year when they were down 75 percent like they're up 75 percent this year it's still when i look at that portfolio the long-term overall return it's still well in the green well that's why you goes back to all the stuff we've talked about over the last 
59 episodes is like you do some research. You make sure you've got good CEOs, make sure you've got good management, make sure you're... When I check in on like conference calls, it's kind of like, uh, I'm trying to find a good example. It's like, you know, when your kid comes home, you know, from, from a night out, you're just checking in on them, making mm-hmm. sure everything's okay. You're not, you're not obsessing about it. You're just checking in, making sure everything's fine. And then you go on and you're just constantly checking on your kid, making sure everything's okay. It's kind of the same thing. I don't l- really listen to calls to see if, what the new, you know, like the Costco call was great mm-hmm. that happened uh, this week. Special Stock dividend. Was- did you see that? Yeah. What's that? Special dividend. Yeah, I did see that. $15 a share of special dividend. I like it. But that was like, it's like, I'm not looking for that. I'm like, all right, things still looking good. They still have the $1.99 hot dog, you know, all that good stuff. Um, But we can do some listener mail. The other thing too, what I love about one of my largest holdings, uh, Home Depot, because my big three are Chipotle, Home Depot, and um, Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, three totally different companies, three totally different, uh, uh different, different, uh, entity. What's the, uh, I'm trying to blank here. Maybe it's our, the drink I'm having, um, you know, sectors, uh, industries. Got utilities, you've got yes, tech, different sectors and sectors. Industries. There we go. Sectors. Thank you. But what I love about home Depot is what I, someone was, I, I was quoting from someone is that when rates really high, people didn't want to move. People didn't want to buy homes. So they're going to Home Depot to fix up their house. Mm-hmm. Rates come low. Now people want to buy new homes and fix up the new homes and then fix up their old house. They're getting ready to sell. So it's kind of a win-win party for both. This is also, um, and uh, we have a little difference of opinion too on, on Sherwin-Williams, but I put that in the exact same category as yep. Home Depot because- I agree when, with you now. When time, it, it's almost like Sherwin makes me think, it's the Coca-Cola of home improvement. When times are bad, you drink a Coca-Cola. When times are good, you want a Coca-Cola. And the same with the coat of paint. When your house is in bad shape and all you can afford is something minimal, a coat of paint can do a lot. And you get a brand new house or whatever if you just want to touch it up a little bit, a coat of paint, which I think ultimately still um, helps you get a little bit of the pin action too, because a lot of times you're going to um, Home Depot to uh, buy said paint and then to just tie it all together. I love this. It's this like, Oh, what are you going to do on a Saturday? I don't know. Big day, big day at Home Depot, whatever. Well, you're going to probably start off by putting on your Nike shoes because you want to be comfortable for that day of shopping. <laughs> you're going to stop at Starbucks. You're going to get that coffee. You know, you're going to be sitting in line forever at the Home Depot. And when it comes up to the register, you're pulling out that MasterCard or that Visa to, to swipe too. So that's just a perfect example right there of uh, how our economy works and stalwart companies that just are not going anywhere. Well, it's funny, a quick uh, Sherwin-Williams story, my buddy lives in like a new neighborhood. It's kind of a new established neighborhood. And there's a new store coming in and they're like excited. Is it going to be a cool restaurant? Is it going to be a cool bar or brewery? And he's like, Sherwin Williams, <laughs> man, that's not cool. By the way, uh, their logo is the worst ever. I, it's the problem I have. I love that logo. Paint the world. But it, it's pouring a bucket of paint all over the planet. <laughs> I just think about, about it. the it ocean. Just, it just it makes me think it's just like, that's quite literally what we're doing to the planet is just, just trashing it. But it's like, I don't know if I would just pour the bucket of paint over the planet. Like maybe you just show a little picture of a house in the earth that you're just nicely painting with brush strokes instead of just pouring a bucket of paint all over planet earth. <laughs> And then waste management comes in like, don't worry, we're going to clean all this up for you. We'll put it in a nice yeah. little landfill. It'll Gosh, look good. Waste management all time high. Um, raised their dividend too. Did you see this recently? Yeah. Just announced a dividend raise. Um, yeah, well, all time high last week. This is also um, 
all-time highs are great um, level in the dividend, but I've really also been paying attention now too that I've really focused not only on the um, on the dividend, but as I've said, the consecutive years of raising the dividend. So this is something I'm keeping an eye on now. And I'm really just as much as when I get that dividend, I just also like, because it only comes once a year or two when they actually announce whether they're going to cut the dividend, keep the dividend or raise it. So now I'm starting to look for it. And when I see all these companies raising their dividends, it's just like, yep. Well, is- I take it for granted because I'm like, oh, raising, of course you are. But is there anything worse than a cut? When you see a cut yeah. dividend, I mean, that that to me is such a red flag. I don't even think of a, you want to know the last company I owned that cut their dividend was, was Disney. Yeah. Which I got a segue. I got some uh, people been emailing and Tom's been on me, on me about doing some uh, mm-hmm. listener mail. I got, I got three of them. Tom gave me what you want me to get, go through some. Yeah, let's do. All right. I'm just reading them. These are just the mm-hmm. questions. Okay. I don't edit these. Hey, big fan, first time, long time, <laughs> haha, in parentheses. Can you BSH the following? Eli Lilly, Bristol Myers, United Health, Steve from North Dakota. All right, Steve in North Dakota. Um, I, I was going to add this. Eli Lilly's got the Monjoro. You know, if you want to talk a little weight loss. Oh, this is, uh, isn't it, is that the new one or whatever? Well, here's what I understand. Monjuro is, that's the only one that's done, manufactured in the United States, which Mm -hmm. is owned by Eli Lilly. Mm -hmm. Eli Lilly is, I, gosh, I would, I don't know all stuff off the top of my head. L-L-Y. L-L-Y, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They're a pretty big year to date, but that's all from Monjuro, right? And then Bristol Myers is down, what, 29% year to date. And then United Health is down 3%. Do you want Um, to take this question or go ahead? um, Yeah, uh, we'll both do the uh, buy, sell, hold, but uh, go ahead. Let me uh, have it first. I have a a sneaking suspicion we might go very similar on this. I'm going to do a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, We I don't know if we're going to do it today or maybe next week. Um, Our stock picks for 2024. 2024. I don't know if we're doing Mount Rushmore four, we're doing the three amigos, whatever. One of mine's going to be United Health mm-hmm. because that sector has been probably one of the lead behind utilities sector. I couldn't remember that word 10 minutes ago. I think um, you, uh, healthcare is the worst performing sector behind utilities. Yeah. And I do think um, United Healthcare, United Health is going to just. I think it's going to have a great year. I think it's going to go up 25, 30%. We've talked about a year in and year out, and I love the dividend. That's definitely going to be my buy. You don't have to make new drugs, um, just like Eli Lilly, just like Bristol Myers. I think I would be holding Eli Lilly because it's had such a great year if I'm doing the hold. And the sell is uh, Bristol Myers. Mm -hmm. Um, I just... I don't want any, I don't want to have too much exposure. I have some with J and J. I don't want any exposure with the hot new drug. If you don't get that hot new drug, if you lose the patent, you could lose 25, 30%. So that's my buy, sell and hold. I'm buying the United health and um, selling Eli Lilly or selling Bristol. And I'm holding Eli Lilly. Um, yeah. And I was very confident we were going to do the same. Um, I'm definitely buying uh, United Health, and quite literally, really, am buying it. Yeah, I guess no. I, I, I yeah. guess I will do contrarian and make an argument. I'll I'll 
hold Bristol Meyer, Meyer and I'll, I'll sell. Yeah, I'll sell you like just for the dividend. I actually I was looking at it too because I think Bristol Myers recently just might have raised their dividend too. So they're in double digit years as far as raising it. But I was actually looking at it and their dividend uh, yield is it's uh, close to 5%. It's a lot higher. Yep. I was just thinking maybe if you just even held out with the 5% yield, you do all right. Um, the other thing I would say about um, healthcare is that it's one of those things that's also clear in hindsight that both utilities and healthcare were mm -hmm. up big last year. When I look at my portfolio, I had a whole lot of red, but two greens that I had were NextEra Energy Yep, and and, um, and United Health. So it's also mm -hmm. hindsight being Good 2020. Point. Like your real stocks. To, yeah, right? it's easy to see that those that were up last year are down this year and all that gross stuff that got pounded is is up. So, I mean, in a perfect scenario, we'd like to see it all going up, but it does make sense to me of why there was the uh, the reversal. But like you, United Healthcare just seems like the easiest way. I mean, um, Kramer would say best in breed, but it seems like a very simple way to play the healthcare sector as a whole. Um, you could do this with um, with ETFs as well if you wanted um, ETFs that were just managed healthcare or um, ETFs that were uh, biotechs or more established pharmaceuticals. But I like United Healthcare as almost as an ETF because when I think of managed healthcare, you're getting all of that. They go to your doctor, they give you a once over, maybe they prescribe a drug to fix something, but you then you send it to the insurance company and they bill it. And it just feels like that with United Healthcare, you get the coverage of not only just having um, health insurance, but also everything that goes in between with with doctors' visits and medical experience and the uh, the whole um the whole idea of medical care. And it just seems which has a higher dividend. I know the answer to this. Which one? Cigna, uh, United Health. Um I don't know the answer, but I'm going to guess just based on what I know of United Health, and it's never seemed to really have a dividend that lights the world on fire. And that's partly just because its stock price is always climbing. The yield looks so low. I'm going to say Aetna has the higher one. You mean Cigna? Oh, Cigna. Yes. Yep. Cigna Cigna. Have the one? Just, just, just by a little bit. Cigna has been had a tough year too. I mean, they're down because, or they're up because they're not buying a Humana was that it? Humana is that the other Humana, one? Humana, yeah, the they, they were gonna buy and they decided mm -hmm. not to. I like just best in breed. To me, United Health is like um, Procter Gamble. Just you, mm -hmm. you feel real good adding to it, yeah. and um, what's ready for six on. And again, when I'm doing my stocks, I'm not telling the stocks I think they're going to go up the most. I'm just telling you the ones that I'm going to be buying that are my picks for the year. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, but are, I like how you answer that question. I think we we agree. I mean, that's the thing with Eli Lilly and Bristol. I mean, they're pretty similar. I mean, yeah. I mean, right. I put them almost the same. And also companies too that when you get the more established um, biotech companies, I put Pfizer and Merck in this category too. Mm -hmm. Is oh, that um, yep. they um, there definitely seems and, and tell me if you agree with this that these companies are so big. And they make so much money from the drugs they do currently have and the patents that they hold, but they don't really have any new drugs in their pipeline themselves. It seems like they're more likely to just buy a smaller biotech company that has stuff and they just grow by acquisition. Kind and, of the um, Amazon route, right? I mean, yeah. And I was just going to say that I would put Eli Lilly 
in that category. I can't say for sure, but it would not surprise me if the reason that they have this drug is not because they created it themselves, but they just basically bought a company that was working on weight loss drugs. Pfizer, though, of the group we mentioned, I think has the highest dividend at 6.28%. Because Eli, I mean, I, I don't know what uh, LLY is, right? Mm -hmm. What is, um, and I have no idea what Pfizer's trading at, but it makes me think it's like the AT&T of pharmaceuticals, the same way we always said AT&T <laughs> is between 20 and 25. I feel Pfizer is always between 30 and 35. Um, yeah, let's see here. So uh, Eli Lilly, that's 0.91% for the dividend. Pfizer's $26. All right. So I was like, it's actually way high. But that's kind of going back and maybe I'm scarred by the, the Wells Fargo. And again, I'm not, I, I get what you're saying about my Procter and Gamble, but if you look at the five-year chart of Pfizer in February of 2019, it was trading at $41 a share. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, we got no movement there. Um, all right, let's keep going. I like that. I think healthcare is going to rebound a little bit next year and United Health, I'm doing Johnson and Johnson United Health. I do think healthcare, just like utilities, is great to have ETF exposure. Mm -hmm. The VHT for healthcare, for Vanguard, and the uh, VPU for utilities. It's been a tough year, but I'm adding to that. Uh, here's another question from Tom. Uh, and I'm just reading these, okay? Don't kill the message. Yo, how's Disney? <laughs> Let's Cisco. Just kidding. What's your favorite AI stock for 2024, Matt from St. Louis? I'll let you handle this one. I, I, if I, if I'm going to say Nvidia, if I have to pick one, um, what about you? Do you got a favorite? Um, I probably should yeah. say my AI play that's up 100 and what 40 percent or 150 percent, <laughs> but I'm not going to recommend that, Matt, because it doesn't make any money yet. So, um, I would say I think the jury is still out on AI and what it's going to be, and I think that. NVIDIA has gotten a huge bump from the potential of AI. But as I said, it also makes me think of the crypto craze. They got a huge bump from making uh, GPUs that were on all those machines that mine crypto too. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very easy to say um, NVIDIA and AI, but if you really want to hold NVIDIA, you can say it too, just that they make tons of cash from making uh, semiconductors. So I don't know if I really have a good play as far as AI. So I'm just going to go a little contrarian here okay. and just pick another company that is very profitable, that it meets my rule of tens. It's 10 years of increasing dividends, 10 years of cash flow positive, and um, 10 years of, yep, exactly. Because didn't they just integrate again into their whole thing, that browser, their yeah. thing, and their partner with ChatGPT? So yeah. And plus you get their main business, which is software and cloud storage too. And you could just tack on, it's an AI play. Well, did you, I, and I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just knew where you were going with there is that, did you see the price? I'm not a big price target guy, mm -hmm. but did you see the price target someone put out for Microsoft $600 for wow. like by 2025? It's at, it's in the high 370s now or 370s. something? 370s. Yeah. So I'm not going to say a double, but I mean, you get to 600 that is, I mean, yeah, here's some. Um, Here's what I think about too, when you, um, this is, uh, is uh, one of the things I've also been trying to do. Um, 
when we start looking at barrage targets, the same way that I would say, when you look at Chipotle, don't look at the $2,300 sticker price on it. Just look at the market capitalization. So yeah. just for simple math, let's just call um, the price target of Microsoft um, a double. So even though it's in the high 370s, let's just say it's going from 300 to 600. Well, if that stock price is doubling, that means the market cap is doubling too. So five trillion. Yeah. Is it really? So let's not think about just the sticker. Is it really going to go from two and a half trillion to five trillion that time? That seems awfully hard to do. Now, I'm not going to say Microsoft is not going to get there eventually, just like Apple wouldn't, but I don't know if it's going to happen that fast. Did Apple hit its all time high? Yeah, it's got to be close in the 190s, right? I mean, yeah, adjusted I mean, for I splits thought, and everything. Uh, I can't believe Apple's not in your top five holdings. I actually have, um, I cut back a lot on Apple a few years ago. So Apple probably at one time was really my number one overall. And I think it was over 10% and I had sold a lot and I put in a lot of other stuff too. And um, it's never... It hasn't, it just has not grown back to that large of a percentage because I've also probably just been investing in a lot of other dividend companies, but you're right. Apple is not anymore. And at one time it was, and Visa was too. At one time Visa, I think was like my, my largest holding too. And I've said Apple. it before and I'll say it again. I mean, what Visa, MasterCard, they take money. They don't disperse money. Huge. Um, I'm yeah. also, I'm not um the hugest on, um, on metrics, but I was looking again at um, uh, MasterCard just earlier today. And when you look at almost every single metric from things like return on equity to return on capital, to operation margins, to free cash flow, to share buybacks, it's just like the prettiest thing that everything you would want to see. I mean, and when you look at, I love those websites that do it like, uh, when you can see growth step charts where it almost looks like a step ladder. I love that when you just see each year, it goes up a little bit as far as the revenue grow, as far as their earnings per share, as far as their free cash flow, as far as their operating margins. I mean, Visa and MasterCard, they are just almost like in some way monopolies. I mean, they're just their their private closed loop networks to transfer uh, to do those transactions and just taking that little slice on every single transaction. Well, I mean, if you look at their balance sheet, it's pretty amazing how, you know, in 2019, their total revenue is 16 billion. Total gross profit after the cost of revenue is 13 billion. You're going to 2023, trailing 12 month average. The total revenue is 24 billion. Cost mm -hmm. of revenue is 5.8 billion with the gross profit of 18 billion. And it just, that's what you want to see increasing the dividends you know those margins are so high are only the, going up Absolutely. The, the other those are also companies too where their dividend yield never looks attractive so if right. you and i were just um and this is one of my my gripes about um dividend investors so i mean i will let the the listeners to decide themselves but food for thought um getting hung up on a yield for dividend because a lot of dividend investors really are looking for something that's juicy, say 3%, 4%, 5%. And then anything above that, maybe it starts, it's getting risky on why the dividend yield is that, yes, is that like high. Metafast is a good example, 8%, yeah. huge dog. But um, they'll, I mean, 
it's always less than 1% what, what Visa and MasterCard has looked for. And to a typical, just a somebody pure play that's looking for a yield, that's never going to look attractive. But there's a reason why those yields never look that high. It's just because their stock price is going up in lockstep. They consistently are raising those dividends. And those two companies over the last 10 years, I mean, have their dividend has grown year over year by 15 plus percent. That's really impressive, but the stock price has too. And it just never looks that attractive from a yield. But the other thing too, is that their payout ratios are around 20%. So only 20% of their, their earnings they're paying out, they could raise that dividend so much more and still be comfortable if they want, but they still keep a plenty of cash on hand for buybacks for a rainy day, whatever. So I actually appreciate companies too that, that are uh, very conservative with their with their dividend growth because realistically, if you're only paying out twenty percent of your earnings, I mean, I think if they doubled that to say forty percent, they would still be really healthy in what that would do. But I don't have any complaints. That, no, that's no, that's a good point because Visa, Mastercard. So Visa, Mastercard's point six three percent. They're very similar to Apple, mm -hmm. Microsoft, with those dividends as well. Right around, right below 1%, mm -hmm. 0 0.63, 0 0.49 for Apple, 0.48 for uh, Microsoft. That's a so good it's, point. It's, it's in a totally different um, industry, but um, Lowe's, the home improvement store, has raised their dividend consecutive for They're 60 50. years. They're, yes. uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a long time, but when you look at Lowe's yield too, it has never really been that high. It's always low, but it's... I, I mean, I still think it's a very impressive feat to have raised your dividend for 60 years. So obviously that management team over the years has done, has done very well to continue raising it, but it's never looked like uh, a yield that would light the, the world on fire. But I'm sure if we looked at a case study, if you had invested in Lowe's 60 years ago and just took the dividends in cash as compared to if you had reinvested those reinvested dividends, no matter how low the, the yield was, would really juice that return a lot. Well, two points I want to make. One, you know that clickbait and it's like top 10 dividend paying stocks mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you click on them and they're all dog shit companies because <laughs> it's like 9%, yeah. 8%, 7% and they're all these companies you've never heard of that and, and and that's why that's one thing you have to be buyer be weary of that the second is that's why i like the dividend appreciation fund mm -hmm. the vig yep. over the high yield dividend fund that has the honeywells and the altrias because mm -hmm. you don't want to buy a, a stock just because of its dividends what would you say then is your favorite stock with a high dividend and phenomenal balance sheets um like where does it all sync together for you because like like home depot that you know it's a 2.38 percent yield great balance sheets um it's not the highest dividend paying stock that i own but i what's your favorite that comes to mind that fits kind of all the parameters for that that has a um a high a higher yield like a higher well. yield but is also you know, isn't like one of those eight percent, you know, you don't like because there's some stock stocks. Okay, I'll, I'll admit it. Deep down, part of the appeal of Procter and Gamble is the dividend. Mm -hmm. And uh I'll be the first one to admit that. And when it comes to MasterCard and Visa, I own both. I don't really care about the dividend too much. 
So um, I'm trying to think like one that kind of probably comes to mind that has maybe this, I'm not making sense, but Costco, their dividend is really low at 0.65%. But when you look at their financials with the dividend, I think that's a great two, one punch. I mean, they're up, they hit all time highs today too. Well, I mean, if I'm making sense, does that make it does? And this gets back to kind of what I was saying before to pure dividend investors, they probably are not looking at companies that we're talking about, like Costco, like right. MasterCard and Visa, just because that yield is so low. And I think the average dividend, if you looked at the S&P in the whole, is somewhere around 2%. So all those companies we just talked about are way lower than the average. And also, if you're a dividend investor and you want something closer to 4 or 5%, those aren't going to be on your radar. That's AT&T. Then, that's yeah. Verizon. And those companies are companies that we don't want anything Pfizer. to do. I mean, there's a, but yep. there's probably a reason why it's at a 6% yield. It's because it's prices, stock price is not high, but it's also probably trading on the fundamentals where its growth is not there. I still think there's a lot of headway for companies like Costco and Visa and MasterCard. And I would even put Apple in this category. It's yield has never looked that high either. And even United Healthcare to an extent. So I put it that, and I think you're like this too, that we're dividend growth investors. I There's nothing wrong with dividends, but I also like companies that are continue to grow and that dividend will grow with it. But as far as the company that I think has all of it, I, this was actually a good question I was thinking while you were talking too, is that the majority of my companies that I invest in at dividends really are not, they would never light the world on fire as far as yield, but one that actually does that I still really like, it's run into some headwinds recently with uh, manufacturing, is um, um, is uh, Texas Instruments. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Amor. But that one actually too, they do a really good job of raising the dividend, but they also buy back lots of shares. And it's very modest, but because of the pullback, it probably is actually one of the higher yielding dividends now. And I think that's probably because of the pullback. 3% plus. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably, again, the majority of all those other companies we, we talked about are nowhere close to that. So most of the companies that I invest in dividends are much lower, but I think companies like Texas Instruments a little higher. I think I've, I've got one for you. Maybe. Is that, and maybe, maybe Costco is not a good example because Costco is right in the Less than 1%, um, the Microsoft, the Apple, Visa, MasterCard, probably waste management. Yeah, it's up there. Because, you know, for me, it, 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 it's it got the, I mean, the yield right here is at 1.60%, uh, you know, where's, I think um, that might be a better example. Where's, um, where's Next Era? I would say maybe for Ooh, me -E. next- yeah, I would say maybe next era is also a little bit higher, approaching three percent. That's why I, we could talk a little utilities. I love that VPU. I might put that in my top. They're above three percent. Yeah, for me, anything three percent is probably on the higher end for me. But again, looking at a lot of traditional dividend investors, three percent probably is still nothing that they're going to. But that, but look that's, for. and I'm sorry if I'm repeating my point here is that if you look at a high dividend. I mean, well, okay. Well, it's not if, let's just look at it. So let's do um, VHY, I believe. That's the, um, the VHY is the, no, that's the, that's a Australian. No, it's the VHY.AX. Yeah, oh, hold on. The Vanguard High Dividend ETF. Oh yeah, v it's VYM, isn't it? VYM? 
Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, VYM. There it is. So let's look at their top 10 holdings. Let's look at, and I'm not trying to sell anyone on the VIG, but I do think. Mm -hmm. I think I know exactly where you're going with this. Exactly what we're talking about. So we're going top 10 holdings. We're going to do the VYM. There we go. Thank you. Sorry, I get so confused because Vanguard actually has their ETFs and then their mutual funds are Mm -hmm. the exact same and they've got. Yeah, because there's extra letters on the mutual funds, right? Yeah, so it gets confusing. So here are the top 10 holdings of the Vanguard High Dividend Yield ETF, VYM. Coming in number one, uh, JP Morgan, 3.36%. ExxonMobil, XOM, 3.10%. Broadcom, I want nothing to do with Broadcom, 2.98%. Johnson & Johnson, I own that, underperformed the market, 2.78%. Procter & Gamble, we just talked about that, 2.7% of the, uh, this is of the ETF. Mm-hmm. Um, Home Depot, 2.37%. Merck, which we talked about, Chevron, and Pepsi. So these, all of these companies are above 3% for sure, right? I know. Yeah, Home Depot is another one too that's actually Home- probably good. One in my portfolio that has close to a 3% yield. 3%. Yeah. So those are one. Now let's look at, at the VYM. And I know Ultree is in there. And I definitely know that um, Philip Morris International is in there. Uh, let's look at the VIG, which is the dividend appreciation. See, I've often thought of that. I mean, the sometimes the way I remember uh, ticker symbols is just uh, um, thinking about those letters as standing for something too. So VYM, I always thought of it as the Vanguard yield. So ones that actually have a mm-hmm. higher yield, but the VIG, I always thought of the G as being growth. And it's exactly what I think that we're saying too, is that these are all companies that um, are uh, paying uh, dividends, but also their dividend is growing faster as well as the overall revenues and, and earnings of the company too. And it's just another way of just saying too, that I kind of like dividend companies that are still growing. More this so is why well. my friend was asking me about this. This is why the Vanguard dividend appreciation, the VIG is my favorite mutual fund. And the one I have the most exposure to number one, I'm going to take a guess what it is in the big, the big, um, is it actually Microsoft? I'm thinking Microsoft yeah. is way up there. Yeah. Microsoft is number one. Number two is Apple. Mm-hmm. Number three is United health. I mean, this is almost, wait, hold on. So Tom's, Tom's telling, I know it's, this is a good segue, Tom. I got you. Number uh, three is JP Morgan. I want nothing to do with banks. I'm, I'm I, I don't own that. I would, I mean, again, I would love putting a uh, MasterCard or Visa on that slot too. Well, we got, then Visa, mm-hmm. then Broadcom, which I'm like, again, then Johnson & Johnson, Procter & Gamble, and then running it out, top 10, MasterCard. Yeah. And look, I people could say it's the exact same fund. I, there's a difference. All right, let's look at page two. I do think Microsoft, Apple, United Health, right there, that's five, uh, nine, that's 15% of the fund right there, mm-hmm. those top three. Then you have Home Depot, Costco, Merck, and you can kind of see what we were talking so, about. I mean, out of those ones that you read there, I mean, you take out JP Morgan, Broadcom, Ex- and I don't know what Exxon. the other one is, and that's an Exxon, and that's almost what my dividend companies that I'm adding to. Again, companies that yeah. I love the the rule of tens. They've grown that dividend at least 10 years. It's growing at a 10% compound uh, annualized return. And also, I mean, positive cash flow for the last 10 years. Yeah. Now, caveat, Past, past performance is no indicator of future performance, but usually you can get an idea of companies that are 
that are quality companies. And especially that last 10 years now is going to in, in, include the blip of, um, of, of COVID. 2020 was a tough year for a lot of companies and a lot of industries. So if you had companies that were still able to grow their, uh, their dividend uh, during that, during that time, I think that shows too, to not only the business they're in, but also how they allocate capital. Well, and then if, uh, yeah, I'm just going to round it out here. I, this is just my favorite fund of all of them. I, I'll take this over the, um, cause I'm a big ETF guy. I think it's a good way to do exposure um, to different sectors that you may not be buying individual mm-hmm. stocks on Microsoft, Apple, United Health, JP Morgan, Exxon, Visa, Broadcom, Johnson and Johnson, Procter and Gamble, uh, MasterCard. That's the top 10 of all those one, two, three, I own seven of them mm-hmm. individually. Yeah. So, so 70% of that. So people could already be giving me a hard time. I'm just doubled. I'm just doubling down. Mm-hmm. Then we've got home. This is why I love this thing. Home Depot, then next, Costco, Merck, Pepsi, Coke. It's kind of weird, those two in there. I don't like any one of those two, but Walmart, McDonald's, Cisco. Um, then we have, let's see what else we got here. Um, a quick, would you rather, if you yeah. had to, would you rather Coke or Pepsi owning Coke. I'd go the other way. I'd go Pepsi. Well, I'll tell you why. And maybe right, this is here. the clickbait. We were talking about Ozembic. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about Wachovia. Well, is, we didn't talk about Wachovia. But, or, the bank Wachovia? No. Wa, wa, what's the other drug? Oh, Ozembic or something? No, yeah, Ozembic. Um, I don't know what the other one is. I, That's just I, the one I feel like that I've heard. There's, what is it? Uh, Manjaro. And, and Oz- Oz- isn't it Ozembic? Oz- that's by an Australian company. And then the third one's like Wachovia. I, I don't know. I'd have to look into it. I like Wachovia. I was just like, I think it's like, wa- yeah. All right. Let's look it up. What? Wagovi. There you go. Wagovi. That's close. Yeah. It's also that- the, uh, the newest uh, coin in uh, cryptocurrency. It's the uh, Wagovi coin. Doesn't that sound like it could be the next cryptocurrency? Did you, get, did you hear <laughs> some of that Wagovi? Jeez. <laughs> Wagovi. Well, here's the thing. I would rather do Coke because they're saying, I don't know if you, I'll get your take on this, that if these weight loss, diabetes medicines really take off like they have been, hence why Eli Lilly is in the top performing uh, um healthcare stock that people aren't going to snack as much and Frito-Lay is going to suffer. Mm. Any, any thoughts on that? Now I'm not worried about a Chipotle. I'm cause I, again, feel free to jump in here. People need lunch. People need dinner. I'm not worried about Starbucks um, because that's a big uh, restaurant, but I think the snacking might have more of it could have an impact. And there's a, people are saying there's going to be a decline of sitting around eating chips. If you're on Wagovi. I, um, that's why I take Coke. You asked me. I mean, I can understand the, um, I can understand the uh, thought process and the argument there. I, um, I was thinking that, but even now having thought that too, I mean, I think habits are so ingrained and I, I mean, 
the thought that uh, any one of these weight lockers is going to be a uh, a magic bullet. I don't know if that's necessarily the case because I mean, just say every year, I mean, we're getting to that point to new year's resolutions. How many people, this is the year that I'm going to go to the gym and really exercise, whether it buy a treadmill or a Peloton and over time it still reverts back to the norm. Um, and even if you, um, do have a, uh, a pill, um, it's, I don't think it is the magic bullet that it, that some people may, may think it is. And if anything, I could almost see the argument too. Well, um, it's almost like the thing too. It's like, well, I went to the gym, so I earned this. So now I can eat all these extra calories and really you're just offsetting what you've done. So maybe it could be the same with weight loss drugs. Well, I took this so now I can have an extra. You asked me uh, a question. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, well, it's uh, funny. I just well, add before you asked me which one, I was like, I hate both of these. Um, it's, you look at the last, uh, 20 Coke's years, the charts, dude, it's, it's not even close how much Pepsi is crushed Coke by yeah, though, as far as time. returns too. I mean, the same way when you look at, um, Home Depot and Lowe's over the last, uh, 10 years or so, um, Lowe's has been the far better, uh, performer, but I mean, still think overall long-term it's, it's Home Depot, but it's also another case too, for sometimes the number two in the, uh, in the space is actually the room, that, uh, the company that has more room to, uh, to run. Well, we have, was there yeah. one more listener? Was there one more listener question? Did you say we had three? Yeah, I don't, I don't, Tom sent me this one. He goes, thoughts on UFC 296 from Steve, North Dakota. Steve <laughs> so the again. same, he, they, Steve got two questions <laughs> here. Um, was the uh, the main event Leon Edwards and uh, Colby Covington? Is that, that's well, the I thought event? I was going to go dip, contrary. I was wanting to talk about the Ferguson um, Patty. Oh, Patty, Patty, the batty pendler. Yeah. Ferguson's been working out with David Goggins. Yeah. He also. Ooh, David Goggins did Joan, John Jones. Did he really? Yeah. He was the, the guy that, or Bones Jones, that same John, guy. Johnny, right? Johnny Bones Jones. Yeah. He like was the guy behind it. And um, I, um, I was just going to say, I mean, Ferguson in those last few fights, I think has been knocked out. So I don't know what's going to, um, what's going to happen in this fight too. But I would say that he's one of those guys that kind of makes me nervous. Cause I feel like uh, once your chin goes and you start getting knocked out over and over again, that's not good long-term. I mean, each time that's, that's a little more brain damage. Why Tom sent me two of how Steve from North Dakota got two questions in. Steve must be our most loyal listener. So we appreciate it, Steve <laughs> North Dakota. All right, can I ask you a buy, sell, and hold? I've I've got a buy. Oh, I've got a question. This is uh Mike from Two Buds Talk Stocks. Which one of these losers would be a buy, sell, and hold, Nate? So <laughs> Cisco, Procter and Gamble, J and J. Oh, actually, no, this is for real. These are right. all three performers that I own. Mm -hmm. All three underperformed the market. Yep. And all three have got question marks on. All right. But there's like, a, I'm going to do buy, sell, and hold, and like a bonus one. So, Jane, I really want your honest opinion. Johnson mm -hmm. Johnson. By the way, I'm looking for non-tech exposure here. Johnson Johnson, Cisco, um, Procter & Gamble. Mm -hmm. And can I throw Starbucks in there? Yeah, do. Because it is an underperformer. Do you see the record they broke this year? They went 12 straight trading days in a row with a loss. Really? 
I did Lost not know days in a row. This yeah. is actually sometimes why it's good not to live because I still love Starbucks too, but I, I do too. Attention. And I'm look, I know you're going to be buying Starbucks. So that's why I'm taking it out. Mm-hmm. I'm buying Starbucks. I'm not giving up on them, but I am wondering about Cisco, Procter and Gamble and J and J buy, sell and hold for those three. Um, I think, you know, what, I, what I'm selling to um, Cisco. If you just want something that's basically going to keep up with inflation, that will do the trick just with their dividend growth alone. But I don't see the tailwinds that is going to make it outperform the overall uh, market or tech sector. So that's when I would sell. When it comes to um, the buy and the hold between Johnson and Johnson and Procter and Gamble, this um, you'll have to remind me Johnson and Johnson with the spinoff, it got most of rid of most of the brands that would be in the, uh, the bathroom. All of the, okay. They have so, zero, zero. They call them beauty products. Okay. So that's stiff. Cause I was thinking if they products. still had that stuff, it gets a little tough because there'd be a lot of overlap with Procter and Gamble and Johnson and Johnson, but now that they're just the medical stuff, it's different. I still think that um, there's more tailwinds long-term for healthcare, just if we're going to say United uh, United Healthcare has uh, a lot of prospects, I would think that overall medical devices and things still have more tailwinds. So I would buy the Johnson and Johnson, and I would definitely hold the Procter and Gamble. So which of those three has two of the three have a dividend above three percent? Um, Cisco for sure, but again, it's partly just because the price has not moved anywhere. Yep, and good point. Ooh, I think probably J&J has a 3%, right? Yep. Yeah. So I, I would feel a lot better about the 3% J&J. I mean, J&J also, speaking of tailwinds long-term, they have some headwinds in the in the immediate future. I mean, they have the, yep. the talc powder um, cases that they still have to litigate. But um, once that's done, I don't think it's going to totally um, ruin the business and it's not going to tarnish the name. I mean, it's going to be a setback, but I still think that with the uh, medical devices, I mean, uh, I think I've said this. My dad, he's uh, he had a hip replacement, and the uh, titanium hip is a uh, is one of those Johnson and Johnson ones too. So I think those always have a, a niche, and then the other big machinery they make in the medical space. So I think their their three percent dividend is probably a better chance of going down because the stock price goes up compared to Cisco, where it might always look like, um, if anything, the Cisco might just. It'd be that trap too, which is like, ooh, is that three percent? Now it's at three and a half. Three point one five. And it looks and at I it keep. Too. I think I've answered my own question here because I keep referring how I'm trying to limit my tech exposure. And that's exactly what Cisco is. So I think I might just sell all my Cisco, take the tax loss, and maybe even put it into J&J, Waste Management, um, Visa, MasterCard, Starbucks, Costco, Old Dominion, and move on. Yeah. Ulta. I like Ulta too. Record um, close possible. Close out. Uh, they had a record quarter two or something like that. Ulta's mm-hmm. just no. Well, they were a laggard all year. Okay. And they're kind of they're they're a smaller company. Um but tell me your uh, your thoughts on this that Procter and Gamble hits all kind of uh, sexes, races. Alta feels like it's more specific to one gender, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. 
I mean, I when I say when I think about uh, beauty and makeup as a whole, I mean, I definitely think that it does cater to a more niche. But also in today's age, I think there's still um, more people overall, especially that if you're in meetings personally face to face, or even if you're on Zoom calls, you still want to look at your best. So I mean, across the board, I think makeup still is still growing. Even Sephora is doing very well. I mean, they ended the partnership with JCPenney and they're with Target now, but it's it's booming there. So I still like the um the long-term prospects of Ulta, even if you would say it is still yeah, more more niche. Um and you own Ulta? Um Yes, I do in one of my accounts, one of my retirement accounts. Again, it's not a position I, I've added to I add a long to time, it. but yep. I, I still very much like it again. Um, and there's also, this is that that net that a lot of companies are are learning to crack too, is that um, Ulta, when you think about what makeup is or what beauty supply is, um, it's one of those ones that seems intuitively that you would want to go physically to the store to hold it, to see it, to try it out. But they're mm-hmm. doing really good stuff with their... Um, with their website and um, actually selling it online. And if you can do that, it just opens up another channel. I mean, I would say the same thing with tractor supply. When you think about um, agricultural type stuff, you would think again, yeah, that it needs to be in person, but they're doing um, a lot of growth in their um, online presence. We've talked about Costco ad nauseum, but they still really are not huge in e-commerce either. And that's still something that they're going to have the um, ability to grow their presence in and their sales. So, Ulta to tie it back to them. They're, they're doing that. So I still really like the company long-term. You know, we've been talking about Costco for the last 14 months. Mm-hmm. And that thing just, I mean, it's at 658. I think the 52 week range was at 447. It's up what 30, I don't know. My notes 30% year to date. It's um great balance sheet. It, it is. And it's another company that, just the same way that we talk about dividend investors that want to look for a specific yield and may rule that out. If you are also a more traditional investor that was a lot more stringent with your uh, guidelines, as far as uh, valuations, as far as valuation metrics on a um, price to earnings multiple or even price to free cash flow, it still always looks very expensive, but also they put up numbers that justify a higher multiple like that too. So I would say this to any investors, the same way we try not to anchor onto stock prices or to dividend yields, also on, on multiples too. I mean, that it never truly looks inexpensive on a multiple valuation. I think we covered it all today, Nate. You got to add anything else? Um, Holiday party, uh, 2023 and a year here. That's right. Um, this is good stuff. I mean, I really, it's been a good year in the, uh, the market for, uh, for 2023, a lot of companies that, um, have done well for me, but also had terrible years last year. And it's just a reminder that the, uh, the roller coaster of investing that over the long term, it goes from the bottom left to the top, right. But when you, when you zoom out, it looks like a straight line up, but when you zoom in, there's a lot of little ups and downs last year was a good example one of those down years and this year a lot of those sectors and companies have rebounded and then the um last thing i'll say i was thinking about this too talked about investing in the past as somewhat being a a grind um it feels more like a grind 
when everything is going down. I was going to talk about that next. Yeah. Go ahead. But when in this type of, in this year, um, I think you would agree, nothing has felt like a, a, a grind this year. It just seems like it's been easy. But even when you just look at those quality companies, the ones that you've held in your portfolio the longest, like Chipotle and um, like Home Depot, that there's been a lot of rocky points for those companies with Chipotle. I mean, several years back with the E. coli scare and Home Depot has had its fair share of problems. But realistically, good companies that um, have good businesses, good loyalty, good brands, whatever it is, consistently make money. They do well over the long term. And when you stretch that out, nothing seems like a grind of owning Hope Depot. It's just it's going to have bumpy spots along the way. But you know that there's going to be a lot of people on Saturday afternoon that are going to Home Depot to buy some Sherwin-William paints, and they're going to slap down their Visa and MasterCard to purchase it. Well, and and this is where I'm just kind of reiterating it, but in my own way, is that um, we've had a lot of tough pods. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is we've had a lot of pods where we're starting off with a motivational quote or whatever it is. And we're using some, or I'm using some lame analogy about how working out and investing is mm -hmm. hard. And we've had a lot of pods where we've been down 15, 20% year to date in the market. And it looks like nothing's going to turn around. The Federal Reserve is saying there's going to increase interest rates till forever. And, you know, COVID, I mean, you name it, we've had a lot of tough pods and and this was a year where i just kept adding kept my nose down the grind all the stuff you talked about and and here we are santa claus rally and um as long as you kept your faith you're 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 gonna come out on the other side i mean if anything too just when i look at some of where these companies are now um if anything i wish i would have put more money in last year when they were down. Um, and this kind of gets to, to investing. I mean, you're never going to time it, um, putting it in at the bottom. You're never going to sell it exactly the top. So the next best thing you can do is like you and I and just dollar cost average and consistently put money in when you have it, whatever you can afford. But if you could do it that way, you would just be real easy to just have put a boatload in last year when a lot of these companies were down. Well, and that's where it's going to go back to I think when we start, and I want to thank you too. I think when we started the pod, I wasn't because we're about to hit episode fifty-nine. All right, 59. appreciate all the loyal listeners. That's right. There's, Look, I, I mean, our goal was there. like I remember telling you, it's like, man, the average podcast is nine episodes. So if we can make it past nine <laughs> episodes, we're already above average. So look at where we are now. But Costco is a good example. I didn't own Costco before the pod. Mm -hmm. And I bought it after talking to you about it. And when I first bought Costco, it was at $524 a share, which seemed like it couldn't go any higher. Mm -hmm. And I'm up 25%. Yeah. I mean, so many companies like that. FedEx. That, um, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, my my reverse analogy with you is, I mean, uh, where you bought Chipotle and compared to where I bought it too. And um, yeah, it seemed like it was the exact high. And that's well, just reiterating too. Good good companies continue to go up and trying not to anchor onto the actual stock price, but um, look more at what the fundamentals of the company are and comparing it to other companies in the uh, same sector and trying to figure out if there's room to, to grow. So can I tell you a little bit of a, um, I, I don't, I mean, I shouldn't complain about it, but it, when you tax ha harvest, mm -hmm. like I timed Chipotle or not Chipotle, Google perfectly. Mm -hmm. 
Last year, it was down like 20%. I sold it, big conviction in it, took the tax loss, bought it first trading day in January. I'm up 34%. Mm -hmm. But I kind of, I mean, I could do the math, but it just shows I'm up 34%. But all those previous years yeah. of owning it, it kind of gets muddied in the water right. to, to really calculate how long I've had it for. Because that's what's cool about Chipotle. I'm up 800% or something mm -hmm. like that. Seven seven hundred percent. So it's cool to see where you've come. Yeah. And you can't can't see that when you tax harvest you as saying. easily. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll you got any up. New Year's resolutions? Um. No. Again, I um. I try to just always do better, but it's not as any any point in time, like on the on the first day of the year, that I will try to make a point to do anything. Usually. I'm just always trying to improve. So if I wanted to answer the question, I would say just always be a better. Um, How does Buffett say it? Uh, I'm a I'm a better investor because I'm a I'm a, a businessman, and I'm a better businessman because I'm an investor. I I try to think of that in life. It's just the way that I'm always trying to learn when it comes to the stock market and uh, money, stocks, personal finance makes me better that I hope that the other works just by researching that stuff and trying to be better at that, that it also makes me just a better person and family man too. So sounds a little cheesy, but just becoming a better person and a better investor. And they both kind of go together, I think. I just didn't want to add to Cisco. That was my only... <laughs> it's just like, yeah, she's keeping it simple. Well, um, you'll have to let me know if you uh, do sell it. Um, and... Uh, and I think I think it's that time. And because I'll a couple things I thought about when I was looking at my uh it's so funny. Now I've got Ozembic ads popping up on my uh, it's another reason to buy Google because the algorithm is so good. It knows who you want. Um I, I was gonna what, say, or go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, um, YouTube is man, it's eerily good. It just I swear, I uh, when I just look at something on uh, uh, Google or whatever, and it's just uh, a little Google search for a sweatshirt or whatever, I swear, every time then I pull up YouTube on my phone or on the TV and I'm watching stuff, it's just like the exact thing I was looking for. It's like, that's how good the algorithm is. It's but just... here's where I got to push back on the algorithm. Have you ever had it where you look up Patagonia jacket? Mm-hmm. Privately co traded company won't ever be, or privately held won't be public ever. You start getting ads for Patagonia mm -hmm. algorithm. You buy said jacket. Then you get ads for the jacket. Like you <laughs> can't it read that you already bought the jacket. <laughs> That's when you just have to start searching for something else altogether. It's it weird. I went on my, uh, my wife's laptop and it was all divorced lawyers on all of her, uh, <laughs> all of her she's, algorithms. She's just like, oh, like, oh that's kind of weird. Oh, that's good. But I was going to say, I looked back where, um, you know, I know I've been kind of joking about Cisco, but in January of 2023, I owned PayPal. I sold it at $81 a share, trading at $61 a share. Oh, it's rebounded a little bit then. Wasn't it as low as in the 40s or something? Oh, yeah. Um, but still, my point is, is I sold a loser and I've moved up Metafast. Remember that? 9% yeah. dividend. They've only increased it. I made a mistake. I sold it at 
uh, 95 maybe mm-hmm. trading at $68 a share. Yeah. I mean, I got one more for you. Then, yeah, then you can do your point. The last one I had to end on this Disney. Oh yeah. I complained about it so often. I got so bent out of shape. I sold it right around a hundred. Now it's trading at 93, but it did dip down to what? 83 at some point. And sometimes you've said the best and I'll let you get to your point. So the best use you can make is selling the stock. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. What were you going to say? Um, I don't remember now, but actually oh, now that you, now you're well, now that you said, now that you said Disney, uh, let me just go on my Disney rant. Um, is Disney just be quickly becoming our, uh, our AT&T? Just, I, <laughs> I mean, for seriously, for such an iconic brand. Oh, and I man. still, I mean, I have the Disney app. The kids love it. Watch plenty of Disney movies. I mean, I think they got oversaturated with the uh, Marvel movies. Um, the theme parks will always uh, hold a place in, in the hearts of those that have families, but something about their, their management team. It's just, when I look at that, that stock, I was just like, how is it that it is just not going anywhere? Um, and somehow I feel they're doing the right things in a lot of, um, in a lot of ways. I love what they're trying to do with diversity and inclusion in their movies. That is awesome. I love that they took a stand in Florida against, uh, Ron DeSantis and they're trying to, I nothing wrong with that. And I think that they stopped advertising on, on Twitter. Um, I refuse to call it X just cause I don't like Elon. So screw him. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna call it Twitter still. The fact they're doing that. So they're doing all these things, but at the same time, it just seems like they're getting punished relentlessly. And when I look at that stock, um, I can't help but think too, is it going to be like, uh, AT&T is just always going to be where it is just always in that range. It never moves anywhere. They reinstated the dividend. It's two, it's what less than 60% of what it was before. But if that stock price keeps coming down, even that, that yield could start looking juicy at some point, but I, I don't well, want to buy the might, stock. Might, I love the company. better example is maybe I'm stretching here a little bit, but Disney to me is now like Paramount. I mean, Disney to me is like uh, Warner Brothers, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I I I agree with you one hundred percent. I mean, if anything, Disney and two uh, let's do this two thousand the Roaring two thousand nineteen mm-hmm. two thousand nineteen Disney was trading at a hundred and forty three dollars a yeah. share. Um, if and you're didn't going it get as to- high during the pandemic as high as one seventies or something. Yeah, I, I want to say that, some of that too. Yeah. And then if you look at AT&T with the 6% dividend mm-hmm. in 2019, $29 a share, it's trading at $16 a share. So I would even say Disney is even worse than AT&T yeah. at this point. And that's a good testament because I'm sure you can go back to pods where we were pro Disney. Mm-hmm. I think I sold it first because I, I knew how to uh, uh, handle the market more appropriately than you can. <laughs> but you know, I basically, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame because again, I like Disney as a company, but as far as a stock, I just cannot make the connection of what is going to change that it, that company is. Again, if we're looking for a benchmark, if it's just going to outperform uh, the S&P, I just... I don't see it over the course of the next three, five, 
or 10 years. And um, Okay, I got one for you. Yeah. Disney, Paramount, AT&T. <laughs> uh, I now, I, now you know how I felt when you're like, Coke or Pepsi? <laughs> uh, I still got to sell AT&T. I guess even with that being said that over Paramount, I would still buy Disney, but that's a tough one, right? But because really you're getting it down to a would you rather uh, Disney or Paramount? Just like. Um, okay. So speaking of things I want to sell. So what I like about selling Cisco is I get to take off the loss. Mm-hmm. Um, when I sold Disney, I got to take the loss off. And look, you don't want to lose money. What is it? Rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number yeah. two, remember rule number one. But there is something about tax harvesting. Tax harvesting is more of lose, selling a company at a loss and then buying the said company the next year, mm-hmm. a company you've got conviction on. And then there's something about selling a loss and moving on. Um, is, oh, I forgot my train of thought, but uh, gosh, there I forgot. I was talking about, <laughs> I, like can't remember. I, had, I was going to make a point. We were talking about Paramount and, uh, oh See? yeah, the VOX. Yes. The communications ETF. Mm-hmm. So I want to go over the top 10 holdings. Okay. You can hear what we've talked about today. If you, you still got some more time, you good? Yeah, let's, let's do it. So um, what I love about the, some of the ETFs I own, the VGT is a good way to own a bunch of technology. Uh, I love the VHT. If you don't want to know which stock is going to have the big drug, drug company, VHT, mm-hmm. the VPU, the utilities, don't know a lot about utilities. 15% of it is the next era. You get a wide variety, huge dividend VPU like it. Um, I even like the VCR because of the name, but also because that's a consumer discretionary. Gives me a little bit of Tesla. Not that I like Tesla. It gives me mm-hmm. a little bit of Amazon. But the VOX is probably the ETF with my, and it's a it's a winner because mm-hmm. the market, I bought it, I timed it so right. So I've got a winner on my hands. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to sell it in this year of 2023 because it's just going to generate uh, tax problems for mm-hmm. me. But I hate these holdings. Can I go yeah. through these with you? All right. Yeah. So bear uh, with me. Outside of uh, Netflix, right? I, I think I can I can name the uh, top five. It's probably Netflix, Comcast, Facebook, Google, and uh Well, this is... No, no, no. Give, it a, give me a little bit of credit why I own it. Mm-hmm. Because there is a little bit of a loophole. And Verizon's in there too, right? Well... 12% of it is Google. Mm-hmm. 9% of it is Google L. Which so I still have a major problem that they're splitting up the two different time. classes. Just add big it time. together because really it's the same company. Yeah. So here are the, here are the funds. Now this has changed a little bit since I bought it, but I just, when I like, if we had a question and it was from Steve from South Dakota <laughs> who said, what do you think of this ETF? I would just, shit all over it so yeah so like why do you own it then that's exactly question, that's Steve. why i'm bringing it up mm-hmm. okay it takes it takes a man to admit when he's wrong right um here are the top 10 holdings drum roll coming in number one facebook i don't know i, see, I got that one right 21 <laughs> percent number two google number three google so uh, add them google. together if you add those together is it more than the facebook uh it is it's yeah. So technically, so I think we can agree Google is actually the number one holder. Right. And okay. that's one of the main reasons why I like the ATF is it got when I bought it. And again, going back to my original point, is that I'm not all about 
holding the stock for three months and then selling it, taking the profit. But VOX was hammered so bad. I wanted exposure to technology or to communications. I sold all my Disney. I trimmed the Netflix. I used part of those proceeds into the VOX while I spread it with other things. I got Facebook. So Google's number one, which I'm a huge, I love Google. Um, I keep adding to Google. It's like my sixth largest holding, whatever. Facebook's number two. Verizon, which actually has had a pretty good year and a good comeback. Number three, Netflix, Comcast, Disney, <laughs> AT&T, T-Mobile, Charter. See, and when this I, is tough, what am right? I doing? You own, you own three companies that you really don't like in Disney, um, AT&T, and Facebook. Comcast and yeah. Comcast. Um, a Comcast still holds a soft spot that I can overlook. No, I'm, but, but for me, but yes, but Facebook, especially and Charter, I'll actually, throw Charter in there. I, I don't want Charter or T-Mobile or Verizon. This, this is um. This goes back to the to the to the reason why I got to see. I how much still I'm have up. a problem with with funds is because you should be able to um invest the things that you feel the best about and and discard and and when when you're investing in, in funds you probably still do good on the returns as far as getting the overall market, but there still may be some stuff that you just don't feel good about, whether it, it's um, uh, companies that you just think are, are, are not good for, for the humanity, human race. I mean, and I would put like companies like Facebook with social media, I don't think it's good for us. And I don't think that, um, Although I don't really have a problem with Tesla, the automobile, I still am not a fan of, of Elon. And for that reason, I would prefer not to own it or companies that that make money off of uh, weapons that are, are used in wars. And that is one of the things that I'm not telling anybody, you or anyone else, how to invest. But mm -hmm. um, if you do invest individually, you can better pick and choose to buy the companies that may have a future that you would prefer to see. So I totally get what you're saying. It's hard. You own this box. It's done well for you. But right there, boom, three companies right in the top five that are not your personal favorite. Well, and I was buying it at $85, $89 a share, and it's trading $115. You know, I think I'm gonna trend. I think I'm gonna sell the VOX. So here's here's the thought too. And, and this is all we're talking about is portfolio management. That's all we're doing. Here's here's a thought of what you could do. Um, because uh, you told me now that you have the um access to um fractional shares, right? With yes. uh, with your brokerage. So yep. this is also too what you can do is that this is where some of my ideas have come from is look at those top 10 holdings, the companies you like, and then you can just pick and choose. So I don't think you would have a problem with still owning Google. So you could just take that yep. one out, Netflix or whatever. So with fractional shares, that does become a lot easier where you can just kind of, it's yep. not truly an ETF, but you just can pick and choose. And then you're like, Ooh, don't like AT&T would prefer not to own Facebook anymore. And uh, yeah, other companies or um, the one that I, I also some. really like too is um like you, I like VCR, but when I look at those top holdings right there and I see I Tesla and it's just like- it And 20% in Amazon. It's That's a lot to begin with too. You could better skew it to more uh, equally weighted or do whatever. Well, that's why I actually saying. trimmed this year, again, took the loss, the VHT, because it was underperforming. And with the trim of the VHT healthcare ETF, I put, so I- Let's say I trimmed uh, 10 units, we'll call it. I put five units into J&J, &J, 
five units into United Health. I like how we're doing it like bets, like on DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> half unit, half, half, half a unit on the uh, underdog. I don't know. You're trying to, I don't want to come across and tell people the dollar amounts. <laughs> then we're going to start getting email emails like, I need, I need a surgery. Can you help or whatever? I don't know. I do like units though. It is the perfect way to just be like, you don't know what a unit is to me or the you. Percentage maybe. Yeah. I, I do have a problem with that because of the VCR and I, I, because I don't know why it's so skewed on the VCR though. We've talked about it because the VCR is Amazon, Tesla, Home Depot. This is the consumer discretionary Amazon, Tesla, Home Depot, McDonald's, Nike, Lowe's, by the way, booking hit an all time high. Yeah. Yep. Booking Starbucks, TJ Maxx, McCarty Libre. So that's kind of like the, the scuba discretionary. And that's, I took a page from your book of trimming the VHT, mm-hmm. taking the loss, putting the J&J in United Health, and only time will tell. But it's 22% in Amazon, and that's because it's gone up so much. Yeah. And then Tesla's at 14%, but they haven't had a good year this year, right? Tesla? T- TSLA, right? Um, I don't know, but I really have not paid attention to me this is um i agree some of your uh selling don't look back i mean i um i sold my tesla and i really 130 percent. yeah tried not to look back at it and part of this again is just um my my bias i just <laughs> I do not like elon <laughs> elon musk by the way uh we should probably finish up with this too uh just touch on this as far as what you think about his comments at that uh that conference uh advertisers go f yourself or whatever did you did you hear about this too? i, I, I i'm i'm even a step further mm-hmm. i don't even read i um, I, got, I, got, I just there's this great i'm not going to repeat it because it's not appropriate in netflix there's a stand-up comedian Stravos, mm-hmm. and he does a great bit about um, Elon Musk buying Twitter. You gotta check it out. Oh, stand-up. I will check it out. Um, I just recently, um, so I just recently watched. So I don't even uh, click on the articles. To your point, I click on it. I click on every Buffett article. So every Munger bu- bu- article, I I do not do any. I try know, not. This one just, just came by. up, and it was just so egregious. Um, that I couldn't help but notice it. So I just recently watched um Office Space. I don't know whether it'll leave with the Office Space part that reminded me of this <laughs> or or the Elon part that reminded me of Office Space. But basically what he says at this this conference with Andrew Ross Orkin is just like um, you know, advertisers go F yourself. If you think you're going to be, if you want to stop advertising, you think that's going to stop me, whatever. And then Sorkin asked the question, he's like, but you need advertisers or else you're not going to make money and if you don't make money the company's going to go out of business to which elon's just like um well yeah that that that'll happen and then it'll be the advertisers fault and all i could think was just like man if you just wanted to watch twitter go to zero you didn't need to spend 44 billion dollars on it you could have done that for free and it's just like the guy too he's like what would you do with the million dollars like i do nothing he's like man he's like you don't need a million dollars my cousin doesn't do anything he's all day he's got no money it's so funny today i was like god man what a week I'm doing the drywall at the McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, down there, <laughs> whatever. On El Salinas. Uh, oh, yeah, I've been uh, getting up at 6 a.m. every day. 
<laughs> you love it when he goes to the offer him the bottle opener. He's like, "Don't worry, I got my own." Like, I got my own. But, well, but, I um, literally today because I sat on the couch because I've been rewatching Sopranos. Yeah, put on which, Channel Nine, <laughs> and it was like, "Oh man, am I beat?" <laughs> I've been doing the McDonald's <laughs> trial of McDonald's. <laughs> My wife's like, what? I'm like, <laughs> but I just love that. He's just like, yeah, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing. All I could think is Elon Musk is like, man, if you wanted to watch that company go to zero, you didn't need to spend $44 billion on it. And then changing the name. Like you have an iconic brand. The Twitter logo, right? Mm-hmm. The Twitter, the bird. Like, I mean, that's the Starbucks, the Nike. That why you can't make it better. It is. I mean, changing we still it to X. Um, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just it is a masterclass in how to run a uh, business into the ground. Um, and yeah, by the like... way, he didn't. He didn't create Tesla. No, he didn't start it, and he didn't start PayPal. Nope. Okay, so um, he basically started. The one company that that PayPal did, and he got a huge payout for that, and then he managed to uh, get on the board. And as I've, I think I've said before, too, it's really crazy because he managed to write into the PayPal bylines that he was a founder, but that is really not the case. Just He's the with Tesla. Fraud. He just forced his himself in. He outed the guys that, that founded it and the CEO. He has that. The only thing I will say that uh, Elon was pretty ballsy because – he invested what, like ninety five percent of his net worth into Tesla before they ever really had a car. And I would say that's pretty crazy to just be like, I'm going to make a company that sends rocket ships up into the air. Um, big dreamer, big ideas. I mean, that's how fortunes are made and new technologies are created. So I'm not going to knock him on that. But everything else, um, like you, it just it's like the man seems like a raging narcissist too, and just needs to uh, know everything better than everyone else and uh uh, i can go on about them but i feel like i don't need to bore the listeners and just but i was gonna say um office space still holds up yeah i mean again still holds up which one sopranos i'm rewatching that still holds up last starfighter doesn't hold up (laughs) last i haven't i remember last starfighter and watched it (laughs) uh war games holds up didn't we talk about that last on the pod yeah i still need to watch that yeah by the way the um uh most underrated line in uh office space i don't know why this always gets me but it's it's pretty close to the beginning but it still gets me every time when he's talking about um how he's gonna have to work the next day he's at chachi's with the other guys and uh they're like hey you're gonna come over tonight for poker and he's like nah, I got to go out with Ann and see this psychologist guy or whatever. And he's like, why are you going to do that? And he's like, ah, I think he's going to help me. And it's like, remember, she was, she wanted to lose weight or whatever. So he went to her and it's just, they're like, she's anorexic, Peter. And he's like, he's I really know, good. he's he's really good. This <laughs> <laughs> is like a low key or whatever. Just, it's a great subtle joke too. It's like, no, he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, I'm doing that drywall. <laughs> yes. Drywall at McDonald's. Or the best, he's like, hey, uh, what was his name? Walter? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, his neighbor? Yeah. It starts with an L. It's um, hey, Len- uh, Leonard? Leonard? No. Hey, are you there? Hey, man, yeah. I don't need you messing up my stuff. <laughs> yeah, dude. He's like, don't worry, he's cool or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
And then he's like, hey, you you awake? No, Pierone, you messing with my stuff. <laughs> stuff too. Yeah, don't worry, he's cool or whatever. Hey, put on channel night. Then Walter, act- I think. Or Walter, actually, it is Walter. Or is it Leonard? no? Walter's from Big Lebowski. Leonard. I think it's hey, Leonard. I'm gonna be heading away. Hey, watch out for dude. What would you do with a million dollars? I know what I do. It's <laughs> like you think it well, two dudes in a double up on a dude like me or whatever. It's like just the way he says that. It's uh, uh, great. I figure a dude with money could say something. Yeah, like I feel I can make that happen. <laughs> He's got the best lines. And you don't need uh, a million bucks to do nothing. Gosh, I'm gonna draw it. All right, well, we'll we'll stop taking uh hey. Damn it, just come on over if you want to yeah. talk to me. Oh, I thought you were with Ann. I can't remember his name. I don't know. What would I also mean? was watching it again too. Um the uh the program that they ride obviously works because it the account grows to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the span of a week or so. And he's like, I must have messed up a decimal point. It's like how many decimal points do you have to mess up if you were supposedly going to make $250,000 over the course of several years and you did it in the span of the week? I was like, that's more than a decimal point, right? Mess up because if you're rounding off fractions of a cent to get to 250000 over the course of several years and it doesn't just in a told week, me, Lawrence. Lawrence. Hey, Lawrence. <laughs> that's right. I knew it was an L. Uh, wait, what did I say? Walter with a W. Lawrence, yeah. I, I oh, recently watched funny. Lebowski too, though. That one holds up still. Still does, man. Uh, favorite thing it's, to do is it's uh, not as funny though. If you showed it to like, like I just watched it with the kids recently, actually. They're they like, because eh. it's on. No, they loved it actually. Because oh, nice. You know, we talked about it all the time. The one that um, I still do all the time is um, did you uh, did you go to the grocery store? Remember to pick up milk. It's like. I know there's a lot of ins and outs, a lot of what have you. It's complicated or whatever. I love that scene when the dude's just, when they're asking like, did you, did you drop off the money? And he's just like, a lot of ins and outs, a lot of what have you. <laughs> big case and gutters. Yeah. I use that all the time. How are you doing? Strikes and gutters, ups and downs. I mean, bowling is a good metaphor for, uh, the other one too, is just, uh, to me with, uh, with the, um, what is it? What the Eagles are to the dude. That's like the red hot chili peppers. Anytime it comes on, I'm like, dude, I had a long day. Can we turn <laughs> off the chili peppers or whatever? Man, get oh out of my cab. <laughs> I love that movie. It makes me feel <sighs> it feels good. <laughs> What's your problem, man? Who is, all who is this Bars guy? over there. Who's this guy? How about a drink? Uh, yes, yeah, I love that. He's like, yeah, I'll take a uh, oh, you're like, in the bars Lebowski. over there. <laughs> Should never get sold too. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we'll do uh, next stock picks for next year. The bars over there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. Yeah. Happy holidays to you. Have a great Christmas. Uh. We'll talk soon, my man. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Later. See you. If you have any questions about any of what we've talked about today or something we missed, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Two Buds Talk Stocks or on Gmail at Two Buds Talk Stocks. And occasionally we post pictures on Instagram at Two Buds Talk Stocks. And if you listen to us on a platform like Apple where you can leave a rating or review, please do so. It might help bump us up in the algorithm and get more listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening.